The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Six days after Peter said that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak to you in the name of the one living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you here know that my favorite musical genre is country and western. That's right. I'm just a redneck wearing a collar. I tell you this today because today's gospel lesson reminded me of a particular country and western song. This song came out in 2008. It hit number one on the charts, and in fact, later that year, it was named the Country Music Association Song of the Year. The song is by George Strait, the great George Strait, and the name of the song is, I Saw God Today. I'm going to read a verse of this song to you. Got my face pressed up against the nursery glass, she's sleeping like a rock. My name on her, on her wrist wearing tiny pink socks. She's got my nose. She's got her mama's eyes. My brand new baby girl. She's a miracle. I saw God today. I'm sure some of you know this song. Maybe even were humming it to yourself as I was saying it. It is a, is a great song. It is a beautiful song. It is also very bad theology. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there with King George, haven't we? That's what he's not called because he's had like 60 number ones. Anyway, King George is describing this situation where he sees something magnificent, something so beautiful. It just has to be the handiwork of God. And that's the point. You see, whether it's that, that stunning sunset or seeing a whale as it breaches the the surface of the ocean, or, of course, seeing an infant just minutes old. 
all of these things are beautiful. All of these things create great joyous, joyousness in us. They all give us a sense of wonderment. But as beautiful as they are, none of these things, the sunset, the whale, the baby, none of them are seeing God. That's different. You see, if we are actually in the presence of God, if we actually were to see God, that creates a far different feeling than this feeling of wonderment and joy. Being in the presence of God evokes the sense of awe. Awe. A-W-E. Now, unfortunately, in our culture, we've started throwing around this word awe far too often. Did you see that shot that Stephen Curry hit last night? That was awesome, wasn't it? Last week, we went out to dinner, and I had the most awesome hamburger, and on and on. All of this use of awe and awesome, it cheapens, frankly, the word. The definition of awe is an overwhelming sense, an overwhelming sense of admiration or fear in the presence of something sublime or extremely powerful. In other words, an overwhelming sense produced by something like God. Today in our gospel lesson, we see the portrayal of true awe in the presence of God. Here we have Peter, James, and John following Jesus up the mountain. Now, by the way, as an aside, when you get to any point in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, and they go up the mountain, something's about to happen, folks. Pay attention. Sure enough, they get up to the top of the mountain. There's Pete and Jimmy and Johnny. That's what they called each other. Pete and Jimmy and Johnny are standing up there with Jesus, and suddenly Moses and Elijah show up. Now, this is amazing, isn't it? This is, this is stunning. The two greatest prophets of old standing there talking to Jesus. And do you notice how the, how they, uh, the disciples react? They more or less shrug it off. You see, by this time, they are quite accustomed to amazing things happening in the presence of Jesus. They don't really say anything except Pete. Of course, Pete speaks up. says, hey, Jesus, this is great stuff, man. Let's hang out here. Let's chill here for a while. I'll build three homes for you guys. They were very comfortable with Elijah and Moses showing up. Think about that. But then suddenly, instantly, the whole ambiance, the whole mood changes because then God speaks. And what happened next? Instantly, the three disciples, we are told, fell to the ground, and were overcome by fear. Now, that two-phrase statement is interesting to me because I've read it over the years, I don't know, a hundred times. Since I've been in seminary and as a pastor, I've probably read it dozens and dozens of times. And every time I read it, what do I picture? I picture the three disciples standing there quaking in fear. It wasn't until earlier this week that somehow my brain, which had skipped over it, caught the first half of that, that statement. 
They fell to the ground. And the way it's written, you can tell that it was an instantaneous thing. I had something kind of similar happen to me 20, I guess 22 years ago now. I was practicing law all the time. I'm sitting in my office one day doing my own law practice thing. The phone rings. It's early in the morning. I pick up the phone. Hello? May I speak to Randy Sellers, please? This is he. Randy, this is Bill Stow. Bill Stow, he's passed away now, but Bishop Bill Stow was the bishop of the Diocese of Alabama from 1971 to 1988. In 2001, he was still very active in the diocese. Bill Stow was a legend in the Diocese of Alabama. He was a larger-than-life figure. He was, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that even some 15 years after he retired, he was still the most revered individual in that diocese. I had had several encounters with Bishop Stow. He, first thing was he confirmed me at the, into the Episcopal Church, but I had other interactions with him over the years. And believe me, he was a larger-than-life figure to me. I, I really revered and, and admired that man. I noticed that about a nanosecond after I heard the words Bill Stow, I was standing up. I didn't mean to stand up. It just happened. Somehow, my body jerked itself out of the chair. Well, we went ahead with our conversation, had a good conversation. I hung it up, hung up the phone and started to ponder about this. What happened? And finally, I realized that somewhere, somehow in my subconscious, my brain told my body, you don't sit slouching in a chair when you're talking to Bill Stow when you're in the presence, if you will, of Bill Stow, And subconsciously, in a nanosecond, I was up out of that chair. Now, I recognize this is an imperfect analogy, but when we're talking about being in the presence of God, when we're talking about the, the, the nature of God, the only way to talk is by way of analogy, and, and all analogies are going to end up being imperfect. Nevertheless, something similar happened to these disciples. Instantly, upon recognizing that they were in the presence of the Holy One, they fell to their knees. They didn't think about it. It just happened. And they fell to their knees with their face down. We know that they were facing down because Jesus, a few minutes later, says, y'all look up. This position on your knees, your face down, is the universal position of subservience, of servitude, of recognition that that one is in the presence of someone or something tremendously superior. It is the position, in other words, of overwhelming awe. I think there's a lesson here for us, folks. I think the lesson is that at least every once in a while, we are called to simply be in awe of the God that we worship. You see, the way that our faith is, how it's developed, 
We are taught that we often call God by the name of a parent, usually Abba, Father. We're also taught that we should enter into prayer with a, and a dialogue with God, try to have a, an intimate conversation with God. And those things are good. They're theologically sound to do that. Theologically sound and pastorally very good. But there's a, there's a shadow side to that, if you will, and it's this. We can slip into this feeling of such an intimacy with God that we forget the majesty of this God that we worship. We forget that if we too were suddenly transported into the presence of God, that just like Peter, James, and John, we would instantly, just as instantly find ourselves on our knees, face down, in awe of the Holy One. And yet in the midst of this, God's love shines through. Because what happens next with the disciples? Well, they're able to raise their eyes. They're able to stop being so fearful. Because why? Because Jesus reaches out and touches them. And in that touch, Jesus communicates, Peter, God loves you. James, don't worry, God loves you. John, have no fear, God loves you. Likewise, the all-powerful one, the one who is so powerful that the heavens and the earth can be created merely by saying so. The one who is, who always was, who forever will be. The one who is so powerful that we quake in fear by being in his presence. That all-powerful one nevertheless reaches out to touch you and me. To touch all of us and each of us individually, to say, I love you. I love you. Do not fear. Now, getting back to King George, he's great. He's still doing music. He's still fantastic. I have this dream of seeing him in concert because his music is beautiful. But you know what? Compared to the message that today's gospel proclaims, well, today's message about this God who is so majestic as to be unfathomable in our, in our estimation, the message that this God still loves each of us and all of us, that today is the true music to our ears, isn't it? Amen.